0: Welcome to From Realms of Glory, a Christmas audio series tracing promises about the coming of the Messiah until His arrival in Bethlehem of Judea. I'm Dr. J.J. Routley, Professor of Bible and Theology at Emmaus Bible College in Dubuque, Iowa. It's December 15th, we're just 10 short days away from Christmas. Yesterday we looked in depth at the first half of Isaiah 53, a wonderful chapter that emphasizes the sufferings that the Messiah would undergo before entering into his glory. We've been looking for an answer to the question of why, if Jesus really was the king of Israel, was he not welcomed and received as king at his first advent? The answer lies in the prophets of Israel, who foretold that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and be afflicted. Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 6 speaks of the lowly status of the messianic servant of the Lord, his rejection by his own people, his familiarity with suffering and sorrow, and his substitutionary position as bearing the sin of the people on their behalf, the Lord laying on him the affliction of us all. Today, we will look at Isaiah 53 and verses 7 through 12. As we did yesterday, let's take this section verse by verse. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Remember, this is the Messiah, the perfect servant of the Lord, the seed of Eve and the seed of Abraham, the serpent crusher and the Davidic king, the one whose right it is to rule. How can it be that he would be oppressed and afflicted? The people of Israel in Jesus' day were so focused on the glory of the Messiah and his authority and his kingdom that they missed these clear references to his suffering. Think of Peter, the disciple of Jesus, after his great confession of Jesus as the Messiah. Listen to what Jesus said immediately after this confession. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. Jesus' disciples didn't even see the necessity of his suffering before his glory. He would be like a lamb led away to slaughter, silent before his captors and judges. His silence spoken of here speaks of his lack of protest in regards to his death. He was a willing sacrifice. He did not go reluctantly, but decisively, obediently to the will of God the Father. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? The death of the Messiah is very clear in this verse. The phrase, cut off from the land of the living, is unmistakable. The baby of Bethlehem was born to die. Did anyone from his generation of Israel realize that he was put to death for the sins of the nation? His death was substitutionary and sacrificial. He, the only true and perfect spotless lamb, the sinless one, died in the place of sinners verse 9, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. The specifics of this prophecy are really astounding that God would specify through Isaiah 750 years before Jesus' death that he would be crucified among the wicked, but attended to by a rich man in his death perhaps fulfilled in the garden burial place of Joseph of Arimathea, is really remarkable. The emphasis in this verse is on the innocence and sinlessness of the Messiah and the injustice done to him in reckoning him as one of the wicked. At the cross, we see the greatest act of injustice that has ever taken place in human history. The pure and holy Son of God was condemned and considered as one of the wicked. Himself being executed by wicked men. Verse 10 Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It was the preordained plan of God to put his son to death on Calvary. Peter would say of Jesus after his resurrection This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, Acts 2.23. Yes, the leaders of the Jews and the citizens of Jerusalem killed Jesus, but it was ultimately the will of God. Why would God the Father choose to send his Son to suffer and to die? It was his great love for us, as Paul says in Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When the Son would offer himself for sins, he would see his offspring and prolong his days. Here in Isaiah 53.10 is a clear indication of the resurrection of the Messiah. Remember in verse 8, he was cut off from the land of the living. And in verse 9, he was in the grave. Now his days are prolonged, and the will of the Lord, the same will and plan that saw the son killed, prospers in the hand of the resurrected Messiah. Verses 11 and 12. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. How amazing that 700 years before the very first Christmas the child born was already prophesied to die for the sake of his people. The anguish of his soul would bring the satisfaction of the father's wrath against sin. And by the servant's righteous knowledge, many would be accounted righteous, justified in the eyes of God, because Messiah would bear their iniquities. Verse 12 speaks of Jesus' glory, given a great portion and dividing the spoil, he is finally exalted and glorious. Why? The end of verse 12 tells it all, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The birth of Jesus, celebrated at Christmas time, is the birth of not simply a king who would rule and conquer over physical adversaries, but a king who would conquer sin itself. He would not simply crush the head of the serpent, but slay sin and make an end of death through his own death on the cross. The same man of sorrows is also the Savior. Of the world. Thank you for joining us for this episode of From Realms of Glory, a Christmas podcast. For more information about Emmaus Bible College, please visit emmaus.edu. Tomorrow we'll look at the prophecy of the birthplace of the Messiah in Micah chapter 5.